Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts and Prayers. What's we up? We are here with A, as usual. Say what's up again, because I think I talked over you. What's up? <laughs> and we're also here with um, default friend slash Catherine D. Hi, Catherine. Hey, thanks for having me. I Welcome. have COVID right now, so I might sound a little... Um, Coveted out, <laughs> but yeah. ex- full disclosure, I'm also have some horrible sinus thing, so <laughs> I'm also I'm at like thirty percent capacity here. But um, great, cool. yeah. <laughs> All right, Catherine, do you want to introduce yourself and um, for anyone who doesn't know you, t- talk a little bit about what you do and what your thing is, and plug your own pod and all that. Yeah, um, I am sort of a journalist, um, more of a blogger. I write about internet culture, um, but not typically inter- like contemporaneous internet culture, um, more like historical internet culture, which has led some to calling me an internet <laughs> historian, which is it's sort of true. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a good title. Um, and so I, you know, I write all over, I write for all the, the centrist uh, publications on her, the spectator tablet. Um, and I have a podcast called The Computer Room, uh, which is like a lot of short form interviews with weirdos I see on TikTok. <laughs> cool. What nice. was your favorite uh, interview you did, do you think, on your podcast? Um, I talked to a young woman who is dating a cartoon character. Oh, um, and she's like really earnest about it. And, you know, sometimes I, sometimes I'll talk to people and it'll, you know, they'll be like, it's my whole identity, but it's also a bit. And it's like this weird (laughs) ironic thing, but she was like, just totally like, no, this is real. This is like, you know, this is my, my real partner. Uh, He is a cartoon. Um, And that was, I don't know. (laughs) Was this like a zoomer or like what age? Yeah. I think she was 19. Oh, wow. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And she, I mean, a lot of the people I talk to are autistic. Mm. Um, and it's, I mean, it's just super different than the people I encounter on, on Twitter. <laughs> people on Twitter. Who are also autistic. Well, like, yeah. I think I was about to say, I think people on Twitter want autistic valor, but are very rarely actually autistic. <laughs> actually, yeah. yeah, like TikTok autists, as much as like TikTok gets a bad rap for people like self-diagnosing and stuff, the, the people who are autistic there are like really like, they like can't make eye contact even over Zoom, you know, like, right. I mean, yeah. I kind of do this sometimes my, myself, like they look to the side and it's not because they're like lying or anything. It's because like they get, they get nervous with facial expressions and they have like special interests and it's like very textbook. Yeah. I, I think people on Twitter over, over, overstate their own autistic tendencies, but I believe that about TikTok, it takes a lot of focus to make those little videos and it's a lot of editing it's a lot of work yeah and especially like the special interests on tiktok are you get more proof right that they're like committed there's a lot of people who like collect dolls you know and or who are interested in like very like detail oriented cooking you know it's not just like Mm. the classic cooking videos it's like really weird stuff you have to like 
you know, we, it's, there's a guy who goes through like recipes from like ancient Rome. Um, <laughs> Imagine I pan out and I have like a giant collection of clowns behind me. <laughs> <laughs> like I like suddenly reveal that for the, <laughs> the first time. <laughs> um that's that's cool um yeah i i i can't look at tiktok because it makes me feel schizophrenic personally same it feels like it's It's, destroying my mind yeah it really stresses me out i'm i'm glad that i'm glad that people can curate like i'm glad there's people like you who can curate stuff and, and put it into another format like a podcast or put it onto twitter so i can see it because i can't actually function on the app I, I really start to lose I don't know something fundamental in my soul <laughs> it's it's also like really addictive um yeah I I've got to spend like four or five hours a day on TikTok yeah that's I part guess. of I think what freaks me out about it is like the fear that like I it could somehow just like psychically grip me and never release me or something <laughs> Well, the first time I even like got on it was during COVID when I started tweeting a lot too. And like within like three minutes, it started showing me like these like hot guys doing like Salem witch trial reenactments, (laughs) which is like so niche and like so something that I would like generally like enjoy watching. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it was scary because I was like, I'm only like five or six minutes in and somehow it has like understood that this is like content that I would, you know, engage with. It is, it is weird. I mean, one thing that I've speculated is, well, I, I think it's, it obviously is surveilling us more than ByteDance admits. Right. Um, but one ben- potential benefit of that is like, you'll get like these psychic readings that mm. are really like, usually like pretty relevant. Like they're not, they're not like super generalized where like anyone could sort of project themselves into it. Right. Like at least the ones I get are like weirdly niche. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. if they're surveilling me and giving me like kind of <laughs> good, I, you know, it's, it's better than me paying $175 some, you know, some chicken wicker park. <laughs> <laughs> I do do that twice a year. I go see a, I, I, I do pay $175 to talk to a Catholic psychic. So <laughs> I guess I, I guess I could be getting a better deal if I was on TikTok. <laughs> Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I I, I was going to say, like, I think that's an, that might be like an interesting, uh, space for like AI, uh, to just like, you just get, I mean, this is obviously problematic from like a privacy perspective, but just give them like, give an AI program full access to all your data. And then they make predictions that are like sort of under the guise of like, oh, this is like a psychic reading. And then yeah. you just you just treat it like entertainment, <laughs> but it like might actually, like maybe that's I don't know. I feel like that's something people would want. Do you know a lot about AI? I I, I like do you do you write a lot about it or think a lot about it? Because I truly know nothing about it. Like I except for like movies like The Matrix or whatever. No, you know I don't know a ton about. I avoided it for a long time. I tried to write about AI boyfriends uh, recently, and. Um, I made some like tech subreddit like really angry. They were like, "You don't understand." I made Hacker News angry, and I made uh, Reddit angry. They're like, you you don't understand the way people work, and like the way people are gonna like fall in love with AI, and it's gonna change the world, and you know we're gonna reach the singularity. I was like, okay, maybe you're right. <laughs> I was just I was just speculating, but um, 
Have you ever messed around with like the chat GPT or the AI art or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I love it for like summarizing. I get like these long emails and I like to respond to people. So it's like great to like (laughs) summarize like various like word salad I get, you know, I'm talking like people will send me like 6,000 word emails and I'm like, well, they mean well. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I want to respond, but I just don't I don't even have the attention span to get through that. But when I can tell ChatGPT, summarize this in bullet points, <laughs> then I can get back to people. Um, again, the, the art's fun. I, yeah, I have, I have fun with it, but I don't know. I don't think I have the, the most uh, robust perspective on it. I've used it like in my like professional life for things that like don't really matter. Like if I have to write like a blurb about something like you know what I mean like and I'm just like this is easy I'm like write a blurb about x y and z and it like work it does work pretty pretty well (laughs) you know it's like I so I don't know I do think it can be useful in that way but um well it told me that questioning the moon landing was offensive to astronauts and wouldn't um write anything (laughs) about it so (laughs) oh yeah you can't really get it to say anything like It's weird, though, because like even if you don't I don't like jailbreak it or whatever, like I don't know what the right terminology is, but Uh you it will change its answers depending on how you ask a question or like Mm -hmm. what the you know, what the preceding questions were. Um, It also like hallucinates a lot, Um, like a lot, a lot. You you kind of need to like cross reference, which maybe it's not at least chat GPT in particular. It isn't quite there yet. I mean, I had (laughs) another thing I had to stop doing is I had like a kind of a panic attack using it once because I I have obsessive compulsive disorder and I was asking it all these like compulsive questions. And I like, I like called my therapist and my therapist was like, you need to get off. Uh, You you can't spend any more hours on this, like just feeding it. Like (laughs) (laughs) you're like delusional, you know, uh, questions about whether or not you're a good person. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. There's a lot of social media that uh, I, I can't um, quite handle. I did want to ask you one thing we ask every guest um, and you can go, you can go in, into as much detail or as little detail as you want, but we kind of ask every guest their lore. We like to hear about lore and you sound like you've been, I mean, I know just from, uh, communicating with you in uh, group chats and stuff and like seeing your Twitter presence that you've been online for kind of a while and are, are pretty like deep in it. So I'm just curious, like what led you to like here and maybe what led you to, I, I don't, I think you're, you know, ostensibly kind of on the same side of, you know, or interact with the same side of Twitter as us. So I'm just, I'm just curious about that journey. Um, That's a good question. I mean, I could start with like, just Twitter. Um, I was on Twitter for, I got on Twitter like in high school, but I was an anon. Um, and I had like many different incarnations. Um, and then I was in a discord server, like a sort of like IDW discord server. Um, I think like starting in like 2014. What's IDW? I don't even know what that is. Like intellectual dark web. Oh, okay. 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 okay, okay. You know, like at the time, like people were taking, like they were like super excited when Jordan Peterson's first book came out. Right. Okay. Got it. (laughs) You know, Quillette readers. Um, And they always talked about Twitter and I felt so left out because I was like using it kind of passively. Um, I, at that point I was like, I was using it under um, another pseudonym and I talked a lot about like Coast to Coast, which is the, the paranormal radio show and not even like current episodes, like older episodes. 
um, and a little bit about um, a similar show called Midnight in the Desert. Um, and then I would like follow like all the political drama too that was happening with the with the alt right, but like from it from a distance because this of course was like another big topic. Um, but yeah, they would always talk about like Twitter drama. And then finally, it took it took me a long time, but finally in 2018, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make an account that's designed to you know have some staying power, and um, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna keep deleting it. I'm not gonna be like evasive about who I am. I'm gonna just like create something. So that's how I I, I was default friend, um, and I didn't have like a, a a pseudonym that sounded like a name like I do now. I didn't post any photos. Um, and I was most, so I was mostly in this like IDW tech Twitter space uh, for a long time. And that changed around, hmm, I think like 2020 is when that changed. Um, I started writing more under Catherine D. And that was because the spectator was like, you know, the Washington Examiner might publish you as default friend, but, you know, <laughs> we need to publish you with a name. Yeah. Um, so I just, I mean, it's the laziest name ever because it's very close to my, to my government name. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I just picked, I picked it at random. I was like, oh, I'll use this once, whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just kept writing and uh, I started getting attention. There was like two, there was two big events that happened. Um, one was I wrote this like super schizo, like caffeine, possibly even Adderall fueled list of predictions about how I thought people were going to become more sex negative. Um, and then most importantly, not only did I think people were going to become more sex negative, I thought like just like the media social and like including social media conversation around sex was going to be like it, it, there was going to be a 1980s style backlash. Um, and you were kind of right about that. Yeah, and, and somehow <laughs> Ross, Ross Douthat saw that, and he, like, mentioned it in the New York Times a couple of times, and then Michelle Goldberg mentioned it. And it was kind of embarrassing because, I mean, I was writing articles that, like, weren't, like, typo-ridden, like, 2 a.m. screeds, right? Um, and, then, and then I actually don't remember if this happened before this or after this. I posted something... And I wish I didn't delete this post, but I posted like a screenshot of like an iOS note that was like James Lindsay, who I was you know friendly with at the time. And if you don't know who that is, he was like uh, an ex-mathematician. He was in academia and he was sort of like a anti-wokeness pioneer. Um, and then he just like totally like went off the rails, right? And he sort of has this like, reddit atheist kind of energy to him um and he just he, it's like everything he his big thing is like academia created wokeness but it's like very very confused and i was getting really annoyed with this i'm like okay even if this is true the, like the it's not like the narrative isn't like we oh we sent you to that college and um you know like you came back a queer you know ranting about Judith Butler like those are graduate level courses that nobody takes like I went to I went to NYU and I wasn't exposed to that you know what I mean like it's pretty easy especially at the time it was like very easy to avoid um so I wrote something that was like what I think happened with wokeness 
was, this was all on this iOS note, um, p- digital media started collapsing and everyone was on Tumblr and uh, journalists who were like making 50, who were making like $50 a pop per article needed to scrape content from somewhere interesting. And they would do it, they would take stuff from Reddit and they would take stuff from Tumblr. And Tumblr was this like cesspool of ridiculousness. And it created this feedback loop where like, you know, BuzzFeed would take the most ridiculous possible, you know, expression of wokeness from Tumblr. And then conservative media would have this like anti-SJW thing and then further amplify it. Right. Mm. And so that that's that was not that any of these things were invented online, um, but they they were amplified online and then they were easier to spread. And that's how they breached containment from like these small activist and um, academic circles, right? And then also in the note, I was like, and by the way, I think <laughs> I think like the dissident right is eventually going to to have the same kind of influence as like Tumblr wokesters did uh, in you know like 2015. And so everyone, so this this weird another like schizo post, a lot of people liked, and they're like, well, you want to write an article about this and. The Daily Caller reached out to me, the American conservative in the American mind. And um, I told the Daily Caller, no thanks, because um, d- they didn't even want to pay me. And I wrote, <laughs> I, wrote, I, wrote two, I wrote two versions of the article from different perspectives for the American mind and the American conservative. And it just like stuck. And I just like became like the Tumblr person because um, I went through, you know, the, I, that, the dynamic I described and how I felt like a lot of wokeness was like very influenced by like fandom culture um, and how, you know, I think like uh, fandom is one of the organizing principles of social groups on the internet. And I, th- I think, yeah, I think that about, I have, I have other, other parts of my lore, but those are the, you know, there's various <laughs> dramas I've gotten into and uh, you know, whatever uh, spectacles I've uh, created for myself. <laughs> but those are the, those are the two big things. Yeah. That's interesting. The second one. Cause I mean, I actually did go to, I feel like I did read a lot of Judith Butler in undergrad. I don't know, but I was also famously, I joke around about it in the pod, but it's a true story that I was a feminist studies major. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I hold a feminist studies degree that's worth $250,000. Um, but I, yeah. I agree with the, I agree with the part that you, um, I guess it's not really worth that, but that's what I paid for it. Um, but I ag- I agree with the part about how um, it's, or at least it's interesting to me because I I always I always thought a lot about how like what happened between like when I was in college like which was like two thousand seven eight nine when these things felt like so isolated in my like tiny liberal arts school and then like I never saw it anywhere in the media you know and then by the time Trump was elected, it felt like it had like burst into like every, (laughs) you know, corner of the culture. Um, And yeah, I I definitely, I definitely, the social media was a huge part of that, of course. I I think like the first time I saw it, like break containment was, might've been my senior year of college. I think it was like 2014. And like, I got into this like blowout argument with this woman about whether or not Arthur was black, like Arthur the Aardvark. <laughs> and, she, you know, it was just like, 
it just she was so she was like livid with me she and she was like you're if you don't think arthur is black you're racist and but she was using <laughs> like the language of tumblr to express this point and i was like hmm i guess it's not just like keyboard warriors like this is like a woman who i see in my day-to-day life um and it, and that was like i remember that moment like I guess it's out now. I guess it's just online. <laughs> if you don't think Arthur's black, you're racist. That is quite a take. That is That's so funny. Oh. I'm yeah. I mean, yeah. I I I I feel like I I realized that there was some sort of like coordinated effort when I went to grad school in New York um, at Columbia. I was at their like education grad school, and like the whole program was like super woke and these were people who were going to go on to be like you know whatever like administrators and teachers and all sorts of things and like the school system and I remember being like at the time I thought it was really cool given my politics (laughs) but looking back I realized it was like a very you know these like big schools were in some ways like kind of trying to put this out into like in a kind of regimented way but really it was just like an economic thing they were like creating jobs for themselves you know what i mean i do think there was an ideological element of it i mean i think it depends on your experience like maybe it was less pervasive at like the large research university type things you know where that's just not like the focus of people's academic interests or whatever but like in the liberal arts circuit I mean, everybody I know who went to a school like that was just like radicalized into wokeness, basically. Or threatened into it. In some yeah, way yeah, browbeaten into like it. Like if you yeah. didn't, yeah, if you didn't sort of, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I used to be super woke. I, again, feminist studies <laughs> major, so I can't even, I can't yeah, even. I wanted to ask you, Catherine, because it sounded like the people you, you mentioned, like kind of are getting to... I don't know who introduced you in to your early internet or whatever, like Jordan Peterson. And I guess later James Lindsay are kind of like more on the conservative side of things, I guess. Like, was that the background that you had come from or like, where were you? How did you like get into that scene? So I've always been uh, politically confused. I guess like the closest (laughs) I ever came to identifying as anything was libertarian. I was like Mm. super involved um, with Ron Paul's campaign in 2012, um, oh, to a yeah. lesser extent in 2008. Um, my, I, so I've, I've, I'm, my ex-husband, um, was su- very weird situation, but super, uh, into Trump and like allured by <laughs> that whole kind of <laughs> internet scene. And he was, I, I remember at the time that he was, it was a little embarrassing actually, um, he was a little bit too out there for me, but I was also kind of like, kind of into it. And then this Discord server I was in was like a nice, uh, like halfway point where it wasn't the, it wasn't quite as like provocative as my ex-husband was, but it wasn't um, like I didn't feel the need to be contrarian with them really, because um, like they weren't too liberal either, and I'd never really been in like in circles that were too liberal. I was always sort of like, not, not, you know, not too right wing, not too conservative, but not, not woke ever. Mm -hmm. And I never, I know I'm like almost like too self-centered in a way, like, especially then, I mean, (laughs) now that, that, uh, description might not make as much sense, but especially then I was like, 
a little bit like too self-involved to be <laughs> into social justice. <laughs> so like Ron Paul libertarianism always was like just just the right fit. <laughs> but it's funny to hear you say that because I feel like the most self-involved I ever was was during my like social justice warrior drinking the Kool-Aid phase <laughs> because there's something so narcissistic about it, right? Like it's like you're the arbiter of like good morals and like you have the right to sort of like call out and the responsibility. You can to, get like, so much attention. Yeah, and you could at one point you could get a lot of attention for sure and it's just like I remember the self-righteousness of that feeling of being like like I remember right once my dad said something to me we were on the phone he said something so innocuous like he said something like oh that's where the blacks live like (laughs) in his like like something very like boomer you know what I mean which is just like an observation or whatever um and I remember I was like I told my friend about it and she's like you need to call him back and have a serious like conversation (laughs) about like his terminology and like I felt like empowered to do that which I find like hilarious now looking back that like you know like I didn't look at people's intentions behind their statements I just felt like there were good and bad state you know what I mean like whereas my dad like clearly did not mean anyway whatever I'm rambling now but no, anyway I, I, my, my, my most self-centered was during my extreme lefty phase I think personally. yeah I guess like I I never felt compelled to like stand up for any cause or group which I mean it just sounds like awful to admit right? <laughs> but I just like especially at like 18 or 19 I was like nah, there's no way <laughs> I don't know enough I don't I don't care um, yeah, I, I think was it's... very interested in differences, though. I will say that, like, I was like very intrigued by like all these. I was like f- like fringe sexualities. I thought that was like really interesting, but in a, like a vice kind of like authenticity spelunking way. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite fringe sexuality? I have a couple <laughs> that I like to talk about. <laughs> um, I'm recently very interested in uh, ego or ego sexuality. I think it's pronounced both ways um and it's people who they're on the asexual spectrum um okay. <laughs> but they they like to they they still get turned on and sexually aroused but they can't it can't be themselves it has to be sex outside of themselves um okay. so they might like they can be involved in like like virtual sex or watch pornography or do like mm. a text-based role play but they don't physically want to be involved in the sex act and I think that's really, really weird, <laughs> but interesting. That, that is interesting. Q has was... been known to anger the asexual community on occasion. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten my biggest, I guess my biggest internet bomb ever, which I'm still kind of mortified by. And I hope it's never like attached back to me specifically. My real persona is I did this post of, I said, I wrote something like, I don't know why anyone would ever have to come out as asexual or maybe the post was something like imagining sitting down and telling your parents you don't have sex. Maybe that it was something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just seemed like a weird thing to like, and anyway, it got like, I don't even remember tens of thousands of likes. And then someone sent me once this like Reddit thread. That's just like, like so many people drag. I couldn't even remember how many comments there were. There were like so many comments just dragging that post. 
And I was like, I'm never, ever, ever going to read these. Like I, when I saw the number of comments, I was like, I'm not going to scroll through them, which I thought was a mature, I thought, I thought that was a mature choice to not, <laughs> to not go through it. But then I, you know, I talked to people like RFH who like thrive on this stuff. And she's like, I would love reading the comments. Like I would love to scroll, <laughs> you know, like. I don't know how she doesn't get mad. I know that I don't understand that either. It's it's fascinating to me. Like, I I get hurt easily. Like I do genuinely too. get hurt. And the th- and the thing I've been made fun of the most. Maybe we could talk about some of our mutual enemies because um, <laughs> I, I don't care about anymore. But the thing I've been made fun of the most is like expressing like genuine um, like emotion on Twitter. Like I remember like Zach. I don't even Chi Chi Langley. Whatever that person's name is who's been on the pod. I don't know what, how to pronounce their like full thing or whatever. But anyway, he like dragged me like super hard, like in this like kind of quote tweet about this podcast. We, it doesn't really matter. But anyway, I wrote, I went into a space with him cause he, you know, kind of asked me to. And I was like, I was like, you know, I didn't cry or anything like that. Like I would never, I, I would never cry in public. I have like too much of like a wasp sensibility, but I did say, in the space i was like you know honestly i find this really hurtful like i'm a big fan i'm trying to be like kind of an up-and-coming like (laughs) podcaster and i don't understand why you feel the need to like target my like little like podcast that barely has any attention you know what i mean like i was very honest about that and people like still bring that up people are like they didn't like the genuine, like authentic, like Oh, they I'm, hate it. Yeah. <laughs> like they, I'm sharing how I really feel, you know. Anyway. Yeah, no, I I will do the same. I, I sent uh, I think I might have told you this story already. Um, but I I had a similar thing where like, you know, this group kept attacking me and I knew why they were attacking me, but I, you know, I, it just it was getting to the point where it was overkill, right? And I reached out and I'm like, look, I know I offended you in the past. I can't take that back. Um, I also can't, you know, I, I, my motivations were principled and I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to say that um, I'm dropping my principles, right? But it was inappropriate to do in public on Twitter. And I'm really sorry for that. And I'm sorry for making it this, you know, spectacle when I could have reached out to you directly or, you know, s- simply just done it in another way. And the person was like, thank you for your sincerity and I'll stop. And they stopped for a little bit. And then I, that just <laughs> totally out the window. And then that like apology note that I had sent that I thought was like, okay, that was mature. I cleared the air. It's all over. Then it got like weaponized as like, oh, well she, you know, she pretends to be so earnest, but really it's this like, you know, 4D chess manipulation. It's like, maybe I just didn't want to like have, you know, like deal with appearance-based harassment for the next five years of my life. I just wanted to like move the fuck on. We're laughing because we've had this like, I couldn't explain it, but we've had this joke about 4D chess for a while because I spelled it 4D chest recently. So we just okay. keep ta- we just keep talking about 4D chest. She was playing 4D chest. Um, I so I was curious because I've you know become friendly you know just online with you and RFH and and Audrey and and kind of like some of the other women who are like you know tweeting in this side of Twitter and like. One thing I've been shocked by um, that, or not shocked, I'm not shocked at all. I just, I just wonder what it is when you guys get these like 
right wing guys or even people like Jack, who I can like barely really think of as like a right wing guy because he's like a gay guy. Um, but like when they like list you guys as like what the prop all the problems are with right wing Twitter or something like that, like the accusation it's is weird. so is so extreme. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's not even just like, I don't like them or I think their takes are stupid or they've had X, Y, and Z bad takes, which everyone has bad takes, right? Like I've had many bad takes, but it's well, like- they can't even, they don't even know what my takes are. They think that I have no takes, which is, I think, really funny. Well, it's just, <laughs> what, what, what do you think that is of like, like, and you get it more than anyone of like, like you are what is wrong with like- this side of Twitter. And I'm like, like, wh- why do you think it's so like strong? Like, like what do, you, what do you like? Because the truth is, is like, I rarely see you post your actual opinion, at least in the time I've been following you. Like your politics are a bit opaque to me. Um, and your articles are often, I think like a kind of sympathetic neutral view of people who might not typically get that, which I find nice to read you know what I mean like you don't really you're not demonizing or lionizing them you're just like I'm interested in this person so I don't know if you could speak to that a little bit I'm curious what you yeah I mean what you think it's about um like James like like last thing I'll say before I let you talk is like James Pogue doesn't get that you know what I mean like yeah no like 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 men (laughs) who do this sort of like neutral I'm going to look at this like militia group. I'm going to look at this extremist, but I'm not going to like kind of come on either side. Like they just don't get that. But you, but you write this similar type stuff and you, you get that. So yeah, it, it's weird. And there's also this like uh, notion that I'm like trying to seduce people in the DMS and like the evidence will take is like, you know, I have a couple of, of Twitter friends who, I mean, at this point in 2024, it's like I've been friends with them in the physical world now for like, decade or coming up on a decade it's like i'm not like this person was like in my wedding party you know what i mean (laughs) they're not like i'm not like seducing them in the dms it's just like they they know me and they've known me for almost 10 years now um i i don't know why i'm such a trigger point um i think it's maybe a few things i'm an easy target right because i'm not really part of a tribe so there's no like army of simps or like a swarm of, uh, you know, like default <laughs> defenders who are going to come and, and scare these people. Right. So there's one, there's that, uh, two, I've historically been very nice. And I've, I've, you know, like the stories I, I shared about the apology, like I will, I'll hear people out. I'll admit to fault. I'll apologize. You're not supposed to do any of that online. I know that it's just in my, I just have to, it's just in my character. Um, and it feels like it's a liminal space where it's not fully digital. Either. Like I, I've seen some of these people in, in meat space, so it, I don't, they're not so anonymous to me. Right. So I do see them as people, even if they're very angry, <laughs> uh, malicious people. And then I think the third thing is there's a lot of resentment um, that may, you know, I haven't taken the same political risks, I guess. Um by, you know, posting takes. I mean, I just, I'm just not a hot take haver in the same way. Like as you, you know, it's, I, I'm a, I blog about, you know, internet interest stories, right? It's just a different genre of content. Um, and, but I think there's a lot of resentment that it's like, well, she's not as interesting or she's not doing the same kind of things that we're doing. Why does she get to go on Tucker Carlson? 
why does she get to go on, you know, such and such a higher profile podcast? What, why is, you know, such and such a person with X, Y, Z amount of followers promoting her stuff? And then there's, pro- and there's probably an, also an element of it because I've known a lot of people in this space, you know, for about 10 years, I'm sure that like, even though I don't have like a simp army who will like, you know, tear my haters down, there probably are people who are like, hey, like, I've I've hung out with this woman for years and she's not, you know, she's just like, she's just some girl or <laughs> she's just some chick with a blog. Like, it's not, it's not that deep. And I, I, and so because there's not this unanimous sort of like, well, let's destroy her life. There's constantly like this grasping at straws. And then finally, maybe also it's because I ignore them, right? Like, I, I don't think I've responded in, I, I responded to one of them recently because it was just so absurd but I, I tend to just like let them be mean you know because one of my they're not going to start liking me right <laughs> like what what yeah. is the response they're not gonna they, they're gonna their blood pressure is gonna rise and I'm probably gonna have my feelings hurt so it's like may as well just let them have fun with it I guess I think it's interesting what you said about like not like allying yourself like with any political because I feel like a and I to an extent are like that too, right? Like I've never like, at least, well, I'll just speak for myself now. Like I've never like explicitly identified as right wing. I've never explicitly, I, I definitely don't explicitly identify as a conservative. I actually often make jokes about how I think it's impossible to be gay and be a conservative, like in the traditional sense of the word. Like, I don't even think that that's a real thing. Um, and... I don't even understand what their politics are. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> I hate to, I hate to like speak about Jack because he has this sort of like narcissistic delusion, which I only know because he went on this oh, like sorry, 20 you minute mean the next, rant. You mean the next Camille Paglia? <laughs> right. Like he, he had, you know, he went on this like 20 minute like stand up set, right. About me. Um, but, you know, and like taking random stuff I wrote and making it about him for, like, I don't even know how he, with why he would assume that but it's like why is you know like a a, a drag queen loving piss fetishist and, I, and, and no judgment right like i i obviously like there's takes all types and that's sort of part of my kind of libertarian ethos why is he the gatekeeper a, a gay drag queen loving piss fetishist why is that the gatekeeper of the right wing Right. No, I know. It's, it's, question, it's, yeah. it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, A and I have talked, we talked, I remember early in the pod, we were talking about the, I don't know if you, maybe you missed this, but there was like a gay drama with this guy who got um, monkey pox from going, going to a piss Oh yeah. Board, a piss board <laughs> I saw that. And I actually interacted with him quite a bit in the DMs. Cause I was just, I kind of like wanted him to come on the pod and like talk about like, you know, what that felt like. But I remember a saying at the time, like, I'm not even really like, like if that's what that dude wants to do on his Saturday night, like I don't want to ban him from doing that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not our, that's not my thing. Like I'm not interested in uh you know, our only critique was like, look how different the public health respo- response is to this versus COVID. Like, you know what I right. mean? Like we're, we're strapping toddlers down and like <laughs> taping masks to their face. But like, God forbid we tell this guy not to go to a piss orgy. But anyway, that's my, that's my, <laughs> that's my thing with, with, you know, Jack and all of them too, is like, I don't understand. 
yeah, I actually don't really understand what his politics are, and I don't know why he's. Uh, I mean, I don't even really know what these words mean. Like, con- what does it mean to be conservative or right wing or like? I-, I honestly don't really know, and I guess I mean, there's. I some- mean, I think it it's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, when I use the word conservative, like I'm using it in the way, like I've talked about this a lot, like in DMs and stuff, but like. I'm using it as someone who is like socially conservative and like how they live their life. Right. So like, I think uh, like I'm from a, a conservative Christian family. So like, I think of like my sisters and stuff as like actually conservative in the sense that they like didn't have sex until marriage and like, you know, like, like, go to church every Sunday and they like give tithe and they like give 10% of their income. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they live like an actual, so when I say it, that's what I'm saying, but I don't think that's what everyone's saying. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it just depends on how you use it. But like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think of conservative as like a lifestyle thing. And I think of right wing as like a political thing. It's like being more in line with like, with like a fascism or like, or not even fascism being more in line with like a, more rigidly controlled society than not, you know, mm-hmm. like I think like at the most uh, like, right, right. Like most bare bones, it's believing in a hierarchy. Right. I think for yeah. a lot of people um, in Jack's milieu, it's uh, it, I, I, even generously, I think they feel very stifled. It means not left one and two, they feel very stifled by the contemporary culture as we all do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they find the, you know, like, intellectual dark web sort of centrist space or the normie con sort of Charlie Kirk space to be kind of, you know, cringe inducing. Um, and then, so what does that really leave you with? So they have their own, they have their own sort of space, which it could, it, there's, there's something interesting about this idea. Right. But I don't know if it's, it's necessarily right wing. It's more like, it feels more like Gen X kind of like fuck y'all kind of, deal you know it just feels like it's a separate almost maybe even apolitical right Mm -hmm. but i just think of like the actual again when i use conservative i'm talking about like socially conservative people like and and the big the big change for me when i like kind of left my like left wing side was having empathy for these people right like realizing that they're like not racist monsters (laughs) like they have a vision for what they want like their like kind of children and families' lives to be like. And I don't think it's like an evil vision. It's like a, you know what I mean? It's like a, well, I I think like an an interesting quirk is too, right. Is like the dissident, right. Or, you know, the far right is characterized by like, they believe in not only hierarchy, but like racial differences. Right. Um, And so to like co-opt that when those aren't your views feels very like, like you mm-hmm. don't want you don't you can be right wing you don't have to be far right you know you don't have to be you don't have to be on the far end of the spectrum because th- that describes one set of folks and it doesn't have to be you you know you could well yeah I mean <laughs> I agree <laughs> and where I was going with that was just like imagining letting some of these like actually like kind of offline social conservatives listen to an episode of the Perfume Nationalist and they would have like. <laughs> They would have like no like no context. They, no. they 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 wouldn't they wouldn't identify with it. They wouldn't feel like that was their people. <laughs> you know, and like I mean? some liberal art fag thing. I mean, yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't they wouldn't identify with our podcast either, and they wouldn't identify with most of what I see on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, 
It's yeah. just, it's interesting to me because I'm like, there is this whole mass, pretty massive group in the country of like Christian religious conservatives. They're, they're a pretty big contingent of the U.S., but like most of them would find nothing in common with the scene on Twitter. And I, I just find that interesting that's all i don't know well i think that you know and i don't want to i'm don't want to defend these people who cyber believe me for you know five <laughs> years but i think they do sort of consciously identify against that group which is the, the weird thing is like them well what are what you know what are you and the online figures that people like that might resonate with or maybe like you know if if they're online might be like a nick fuentes or people who are more straightforwardly conservative um Maybe like she's a little bit more moderate, but like Louise Perry, who talks about, uh, you know, sexual conservatism. Um, you well, know, I think people- like like one person I think of who no longer tweets that these people would identify hardcore with, and she basically got bullied off Twitter. It was like Liz Bruning. She seems like a, a little leftist. She, though. She's a little bit of a leftist, but like her kind of like, I understand she's a leftist, but her sort of like. Her persona, I don't know. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Mom, like, she's, she's yeah, a mom. She's she married young. She's Christian. She was clearly pro-life. You know what I mean? Like, these were, you know, even though she, like, like I never quite said she was pro-life, it was clear that she was. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yeah. Anyway, but her socialist policies, you're right. That was, that would yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, I think there are, there are plenty of, uh, social media influencers who do speak to this sort of more organically conservative population. But the the people we're talking about identify against those people and also like kind of like turn their nose up at them unless it's right. expedient, right? <laughs> unless there's some kind of like benefit they can gain from it. Um, I, I, I think like maybe, you know, people who are maybe more drawn to extremes um, probably resonated more with like the alt-right uh, during the Trump administration or parts of the, you know, certainly not all of it, but parts of it um, seemed a little bit more intelligible. And you could understand how someone in, you know, suburban or even rural America would be like, okay, I kind of like grok what their, what their vision is. And they're a little bit less, uh, I don't know, hipster, I guess is the word I'm looking well, for. He, like, I mean, I think as, as weird as Trump's life is like being a billionaire married to like some Slovakian, like, you know, mail order prostitute bride or whatever, whatever Melania's real past is. Like, I mean, I think that the way he talks and the way he acts is very similar to these, these people we're talking about this kind of like broader conservative, you know what I mean? I think that's what they resonated with. They were like, this guy kind of sounds like us. He, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's what I, that was and how I, I, I think felt. They felt very like, I, it, I mean, I think there was a lot of things that felt very seen by him and, you know, we were reaching a point where every, obviously the left and the right felt very betrayed by institutions, but the particular issues he was bringing up, um, you know, I think, and, and you don't hear about this a lot, but like, um, I think it was like, he had, he took like particular issue with like the FDA, right. And like certainly drug regulations. Um, I know he addressed like the opioid epidemic as well. Yeah. And like all of these things that people like, really like the white working class were impacted by immigration is another, you know, regardless of how you, how you actually feel about that, but just the, the, even just the raw issues he was bringing up, it was like, okay, these are issues that these, that these groups feel impacted by. Yeah. Um, and he brought up something that I think does cross over with the dissident, right? 
which is what I think was most interesting about him, which was the kind of entrenched bureaucracy in DC, which people, yeah. yeah, which people yeah. now make fun of. They're like, Oh, the deep state, but it's real. He's not like, <laughs> he's not lying. <laughs> like he was talking about a real phenomenon. You know what I mean? And that was, I think that really ignited a lot of people too. And he's just a interesting cult of personality, right? Yeah. You know, the, I think, I think having this TV presence, like he's funny and, Mm-hmm. people remember like oh the i liked the apprentice or like oh i remember when he was a new york bigwig and you don't need, he doesn't he didn't even have to be like uh you know like that good at real estate right it's just like the image was so strong <laughs> <laughs> yeah i watched the apprentice when i was a kid i um i really i really loved it um Okay, I guess to pivot away from our from our haters <laughs> for a minute, but I, I which I, I, I wanted I, to just say, even yeah. your description of you know these people and like what they stand for and everything, I found very compassionate and fair. So I just wanted to say oh, that. Too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're not. I, I I agree, and I I don't think that you're condemning them. You're just the thing I like about both your writing and your presence on Twitter is that I do think that you genuinely like look at people and just kind of try to see sort of a like just neutrally describe them and empathize with them <laughs> at the same time which i think is valuable and i don't think there's a whole lot of that so thank you i appreciate that um but yeah to totally pivot <laughs> i i'm curious what you think about I don't know if you'll have a lot to say about this, but I'm curious what you think about the e-girl, the the term e-girl and the phenomenon of sort of like a newly anointed e-girl every, every six months and what you like, I don't know how you feel about it and just like what it is exactly, because I've, you know, now I've been on Twitter long enough to see it happen a few times we had Blassie on the pod like maybe four weeks ago, who seems to be sort of like the anointed e-girl of the moment, but there's always kind of this trend. And this is what I thought maybe you would have some interesting things to say about where it's like, they're kind of anointed or first they're considered sort of thirsty, right? It's like, they're kind of like, they're kind of like trashed on they're thirsty. Then they're sort of anointed as like the e-girl of the moment. And they have kind of a moment in the sun where everyone kind of loves them. And then there's like the cycle is back (laughs) and they're sort of thirsty and the new, like they're being trapped. So like, I don't know. I was just curious what you think about that. Cause it does seem to be a weird kind of funny thing that happens. And I guess what, what we're going to call dissident right wing Twitter where there's cycles of like e-girl I don't know, empresses or something. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can launch into like a whole history of the e-girl, but like, you know, in terms of like specifically this sort of like right wing Twitter thing, um, I, I mean, I, I, they, I think what happens is that it's like the new girl in school, right? Um, you know, first you get hazed a little bit and then you're really popular. And then like the real, like hitting the wall is actually just like, you're too familiar now. And the downfall of like the e-girl is, you know, you can get smeared, right? And you don't re- you don't respond in the right way, right? So that happens to some. Or you start dating someone mm. and then you're you're no longer available or you've dated a couple of people and you're like too familiar, right? Um and then people and then people get bored. Um right. and there's I've yeah, you're you're right that it's like 
you you kind of get 18 months, right? Like you can you can you could be queen bee like a second time, just not a third time. Um and yeah, I mean it it is it is a really interesting thing. I mean like the one thing I wonder is um like what the end game of like I guess it just feels good to get attention, right? Like I like of course. I post I post selfies occasionally, you know, like it's 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 nice to have people say nice things to and about you. Um and it's nice to feel like you have clout and it's an easy way to get clout, right? Um one thing I think is really interesting is it's completely divorced from age. You could be a 37-year-old e-girl, you could be a 30-year-old e-girl. Um you just have to be like new and like you know, you have to reach a certain threshold of sexiness but that's it that's really all that's required of you you kind of have to self-declare as an e-girl too i've noticed yeah like there's a there's a sort of are you drinking out of a stanley cup mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> <I am. laughs> speaking of e-girls <laughs> i'm in like so... my suburban mom era yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um How anyway yeah, does it does it taste better? It like gets me to drink more water for sure. That's what everyone. That's what everyone <laughs> I know who has one says. That's so interesting. And, like, Why do you straws, think it gets you to? The straw is easier to clean than like it's it's a straw, right? Okay. And it and it's an easy straw to clean, which is usually these straw you have to like throw these away, right? Or they're just a pain in the ass, or they get moldy or something. Or and like, it stays cold. It stays cold all day, right? Like if you put ice in it, it's the ice is still there. Yeah, it the it, it lasts for like twelve hours. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what? What? Like yeah. What? What? Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the e girl? If you or what you or wh- where you think that that even like term emerged from? Yeah. So there's always been this phenomenon of like women sort of um, like allowing this sort of like parasocial glimpse into their lives. Um, like they were like famous and, you know, it, supposedly like the first one is Jenny Cam and there was like sort of like reality TV. She allowed like 24 seven access into her life. She eventually just, she, she made it on like late night talk shows and stuff. She eventually like disappeared, um, got offline. Um, and, you know, there is, there is women in the blogosphere right? There's cam girls. Um, and then what I think maybe the the right wing Twitter one is like more closely linked to is um, on 4chan every now and then uh, there would be like a woman who would pop up, right? And become like a little icon. Mm. Um, and there'd be a little cult of personality. And usually people would get too like rabid and then they would disappear. They'd go underground, right? And the first one was uh, like a, a young a young woman named Cracky Chan. I think she was like 14. Um, wow. Yeah, and there was like a, there was a few of them. And they were all, you know, there's Cracky Chan. Um, later on, there's someone named Creepy Chan. She ended up on America's Next Top Model. Um, and then a little bit later, uh, so this is, this is around like 2005, 2006. And then a little bit later, you have uh, the same kind of element on Tumblr, right? Right. Um, you have you have women entering like the the gaming space. Um, it's I mean what what's the the theme here is women entering a male dominated space and farming <laughs> that space for attention. 
Uh, as <laughs> yeah, that's I mean that's 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 what that's what the right wing e girl is is too for sure. I mean it's definitely that sort of thing, you know. Right. It's like the ultimate like I'm not like other girls, right? Right. Which I it just I seems to always it just seems to always end so badly for them. And Blassie actually seems like a like a sweet young lady, like working class Chicago girl. So I like I don't want it to end badly for her. I, you know, you know like, I don't think it'll end badly for her because I don't think she's like a right wing e girl, really. Yeah, I think she has this sort of like cross sphere appeal. Um, yeah, and I could like there's some people where it's like. I could just see it coming from like 40 miles away. Like you're going to sleep with the wrong person. It's going to get weird. And not that even like nudes would be leaked or anything. It's just like they'll, it'll create like a weird vibe. No one really knows what happened, but if you, if you know, you know, kind of thing. And with Blasi, I could, I could easily see like, all right, you, you know, like maybe like you pivot to like a TikTok or Instagram or something and you're a stand-up comedian and you're kind of, you, you kind of have the staying characters uh, power as this like character. Right. And, yeah. you know, there's some sort of, like, uh, cult of personality that either she gets bored of or it just turns into a different thing. But I, I don't I don't think she is as doomed um, as maybe <laughs> like some as of the Like as Posty other- or someone like that? Like, <laughs> like, I feel like Posty's life has gotten very, like, I don't know, like, kind of bleak-ish. I, I don't even I don't see know. her on the TL anymore. I don't know what I don't see her on the yeah. TL, but when I've checked in, it's like she's all – anyway, I don't know. She's always somewhere, like, new, and I'm like, what, are you, like, a fed now? Like, what are you – like, why are you in, like – it seems like she's in places like Kazakhstan and stuff like that. No, it is weird. Like, she's, like, in South Korea or, like, Madison, Wisconsin. Right? I know. It's, like, so It's, like, random. kind of confusing. Uh, I don't know what she's doing. Um yeah anyway there's i guess i bring it up because today there was a new big like e-girl photo which i actually i actually really like bimbo ubermensch but it was the the bimbo ubermensch and bronze age shorty and glass whatever her name is all in glass delusions glass delusions yeah and they were all in new mexico together and i was like oh this is like a quintessential like excuse me, kind of like lore building e-girl photo. There seems to be like this yeah. photo that happens. That's right, like you the know. like Tradcath photo. The Tradcath photo, yeah. This one seems to be like the ethnically ambiguous e-girl photo. <laughs> that's what that's what yeah. this one is. That's that's the theme of this one. Um, the one thing about like e-girl clout, um, and I, I've brought this up even to like the women in that photo who like are, I, I like I really like all of them. Um, yeah. I chat I chat with all of them periodically. Is like, what do you like? You gain it, and like, how do you cash it in? You know what I mean? Like, well, I know some. I mean, at least I, without like revealing any per, anyone's individual project, I do know some of them like do have stuff on the horizon. You know, like books or like yeah, yeah. You know, types of like sometimes they manage to like pivot it into something. You know what I mean? But I get it. There's a lot who there's a lot who don't have that plan. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just I I just wonder like cuz of the people who like don't have books or like podcast plans or uh, you know or want to sell toothpaste or it like whatever you know whatever it is stand like, up <laughs> stand like I mean then it could be like really like really valuable like why not use it right just play your cards right um and make sure the project doesn't threaten the doesn't threaten the crowd I mean I was never like an e-girl because I, I what happened is I got divorced and then I like dated for like I don't know 
a few like very short period of time that I got married again. So I've always just been like kind of like a married old lady. But <laughs> I had like a very brief um window of like being sort of like a oh like a new girl on the scene. And then like once I started like blogging, they're like, oh she's writing about us, which I'm not even I'm not even writing about them. <laughs> It was like, oh no, this this is this is a federal this is a federal agent. This this was this is not this <laughs> yeah, is a the threat. Bad accusations. Yeah, yeah. So you almost like- you almost get accused of being like a crumps like figure, but like I looked, I I've I've read a lot of your articles, and I'm like, she's nothing. Like, she doesn't even really care about like the whatever the dime square scene like you know what i mean kind of an e-girl in his own (laughs) yeah crumbs is sort of an e-girl that's true (laughs) i have joked Um, i mean i've joked myself like when crumbs self-canceled i was like uh crumbs steps back default friend steps forward hilarious yeah Yeah, you and i were in a group chat together with we we kind of saw that in real time because we were in a group chat with ty lee and it was like Oh yeah, Ugh. Ty Lee unfollowed me recently. I was so sad. Oh god. But that group chat was like that was, that, a was mess. Like a, that was like a volcano always. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe I mean, yeah, she's I mean, I don't really mind saying this. She seems like such a like like a <laughs> manipulative, insane individual. I'm sorry. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's she's interesting. I it, it's weird because like I don't really I don't know. I don't. I don't know her personally at all, uh, but like I question some of her her feminist bona fides because like <laughs> I feel like she it's very like contradictory. Like I don't really know what she's fighting for. It's it, it's also like weird for someone to like purport to be like a Maoist and then like <laughs> you know have this just incredible like she does have like an incredible fashion sense and she has these like long talons and is always wearing some cool giant uh, coat of some kind. You know what I mean? It's like doesn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't get. I don't get her thing. I don't get what her sh- her yeah, shtick is. It's really feminist to clean a man's apartment, I guess, um, <laughs> and then cancel him for it or whatever. Whatever happened there? Yeah, I don't even know what. Crumps, <laughs> Crumps is an interesting figure though, because like Crumps was like he wrote for the Daily Caller. He wrote for this magazine called Jacobite, which was kind of like if you know the the I am seventeen seventy six. It was kind of like that. It was kind of like this right wing sort of like cool uh you know like diy magazine they published like nick land i think at some point you know it's just like a very quirky little project um and then he was like the incel whisperer and then he, he like disappeared and then he like reemerges as a communist uh scene reporter and now he's a fiction writer i guess and it's it's a very interesting trajectory like what's what does he want you know, what's funny, what's, funny, what's funny about him is right after he like self canceled, which again, I think is like one of the funniest things anyone can ever do. But right after he self canceled, the thing that he did that was bad, quote unquote, was what was just like coming. He slept, like, with, a tra- on a he slept with a trans misogynist poet. But th- I don't yeah. think did they even sleep together? I know it was just so. like coming <laughs> on just, to her. Yeah, he just came on to a trans misogynist poet. <laughs> but um, right after he self canceled, he followed me. And then I like asked around a little bit and he had followed a bunch of like, like people I know on Twitter. And I was like, oh, is he trying to find like a new crop to write about? Because he's not going to get anything exciting from me. I was like, I almost wanted to message him. I'm like, my life is very boring. Like I go to bed at like seven every night. Like, you're, you're not going to get any like exciting uh, drama. You went to of... the Soprano strip club the other day. I went to, that's true. I did go to the Soprano strip club this weekend. That's true. Very far fun? from, 
It was fun, yeah. I mean, yeah, the girls were sweet, and they, I feel like a, being a gay guy in a strip club, they're really... Um, I, I kept paying them, so I made sure I wasn't, like, mooching off the situation, you know? Yeah. And they were, like, fun. They, like, talking to us. A lot of them were gay, which was interesting. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, strippers are, like, queer-identified. Yeah, a lot of them were lesbian, and, like, they weren't saying it to me to be, like... Um, like hot, you know, hot, like hot, because I it wouldn't make me wouldn't make me feel hot at all. And then it was also funny because um, what was the other thing that was? Oh yeah, they were like lesbian. They were like a lot of them were in relationships with women, but like had like fourteen year olds because some yeah. of them started like showing me their their like you know photos of their kids and stuff. Um, it definitely was. They were not as hot as the girls in The Sopranos. I will say that it was. <laughs> It was definitely like giving the cream of the crop. It was definitely giving Newark, Newark, <laughs> New Jersey, <laughs> you know, uh, vibes. But it was fun. I liked. Everyone was very sweet. Everyone was sweet girls. I recommend it. Satin dolls. It's right off the turnpike, guys. <laughs> so. I had sort of a haunting conversation with a friend of mine, like yesterday or the day before. Um, he was like, "I went to a strip club, and I was like, oh, cool. Did you get a lap dance?'" And he said, "Yeah." And then there was just like this, I didn't, I just didn't know what to, what questions to ask. And he was like, it was really bad. The whole experience was really bad. And like, he wouldn't elaborate on like what happened or like why he felt like compelled to share this information with me. <laughs> and it was like, kind of like, like his voice was haunted. I'm, you know, I'm haunted. He having heard it. <laughs> I got two lap dances. Um, <laughs> and I will say that one felt sort of weird because the stripper she was one of the ones I had been drinking. She had been drinking with us. Uh, so she, we had been like buying her drinks, if that makes sense, because my friend and I weren't even drinking at the club, but like, that's part of what they ask you to do. You know what I mean? So she was like, um, like, I don't know, getting really into it. And I was like, I don't, like this isn't what I was, you know what I mean? Like, um, but then the but then another, but then I got one more from another one who knew I was gay and it was very like funny and flirty. And she was like laughing with me and we were like laughing together. And I was like, this That's is good. more, yeah. yeah. But the I mean, one who had been like, kind of like getting us to buy her drinks for like an hour was trying to make it like a really sexual thing. I, mean, I, I, I think it can be kind of an overwhelming <laughs> experience for some guys, especially if they're not like regulars at strip clubs and don't really know what the deal is. Like it can be kind of predatory in a sense. I know that you're supposed to say the strippers are victims or whatever, but also it's empowering <laughs> or I don't know, but, um, but yeah, like they, they're con artists. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they are monetizing their sexuality and they're good at it. Well, they're like, they're kind of like party girls. Like my yeah. friend and I were there, I was there with a woman and we, she ha- she's a writer. So she had like her notepad out. So we were like a totally like weird, <laughs> like in a com- completely weird duo in this whole scene. But we came with like, you know, $150 in dollar bills to make sure that we were going to be clear, like, while we're sort of observing this environment, we are going to keep, you know, paying and whatever. But yeah, I mean, I definitely did not feel like the women were victims. And there definitely were a lot of sad guys there that I could tell were just getting blood dry, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they cash (laughs) their paycheck and come to the strip club and, you know... Yeah. Anyway, it's gone. People seem like dedicated to like the dancing. 
No, that was the other funny thing too. Like I was like, you know, again, because I was like, why I wasn't like drunk or anything. I was like wide eyed during the whole thing. I was like, well, maybe I'll see some like cool moves, but like, like most of them like really phoned it in. I was like, these girls need some like Pilates or something. Cause like, they're not even doing like the, I would have loved to see some like Cirque du Soleil, like, you know, <laughs> like tricks and stuff, but that's not what I was seeing. So I watched this like very interesting video that was like, it's not economical for strippers to like care about the actual dance. Like right. what you're supposed to do is like go around on the floor and like, that's, that's what and they, the- that's mostly what they did. They would come around on the floor. They would come up, they would ask you if you would buy them a drink sometimes like most of the time we said no we would just give them a dollar and they'd move on but like this one girl we liked so we did buy her a few drinks but it was like that that's mostly what it was this weird rotating floor like that's weird to like get drinks as part of your shift right (laughs) i I don't know i mean they're partying yeah they're probably on all kinds of shit adderall and cocaine or whatever you know yeah I mean, you gotta get through your shift and all the people, <laughs> you know. I mean, you gotta be there till like six a.m., yeah. um, which is not how late I was there. I like went home at eleven, and I was like, "Ooh, what a big night for me!" <laughs> um, hope Crumps is listening. It's exciting <laughs> scene scene story. Um, I wanted to ask you, what was it like going on Tucker and all that? I was curious. Um, it was like really nerve wracking. Yeah. Like, well, what can you? I actually have not seen your clip. So, did you go on it when he was still on Fox News, or did you go on it when he was on the Twitter? No, space? I went when he was. When he still had a like a hour long talk show. He would sometimes okay. like grab, just like people he thought was inter- he thought were interesting, um, and I had done this like really weird podcast thing about Adam Lanza. Uh, the okay. shooter. All right. So like right, you know, I think I think it might have been like right around the Alex Jones thing. He was like, let's get this this random woman to talk about Sandy Hook on our show. <laughs> and I was like, you know, walking like it happened, in my opinion. <laughs> it's real. Um, but yeah, we I, I did a project on Adam Lanza's digital footprint. Um, okay. and how he was he was an antinatalist and just sort of like how it just felt like he was so online that he became like disembodied and sort of physically detached. So that, you know, just the, the disembodying effects of being so terminally online um, and his, his, his worldview and his philosophy and is, is very dark. And then um, he pivoted a little bit to like only fans. Um, I don't even really remember what we talked about vis-a-vis only fans. I was so, so nervous. It was like, I was were like you in the studio or were you like just home and they like zoomed you? No, in? no, it's his, his studios in like a barn in Maine. Um, they flew me out. I stayed at like a nice wow. hotel. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's no, it crazy. Like, it, w- it was. It was. That's really- where that's where the show was filmed. I guess I always imagined it was in New York, but no, it was he he lived he like lived part time or something in Maine. Um, he's a really wow. nice guy, but yeah, it was just I just was like I like. Did they like prep crazy. you for going on the show or like what? And so this was when he was on TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, did I mean it? It, it has to be pretty like fast and everything, right? Like it's it fit between the commercials and stuff. Like 
It, I mean, it was an it was an hour long segment. Um, oh wow! Yeah, no, it was it was super scary. And then like, it was in like a small town, so there was no like Sephora or anything, so I couldn't like get my makeup done, and I felt like naked. I was like, <laughs> you know, they're not going to do your makeup for you. I mean, they don't was, have makeup people. They do, but they're not going to like, you know, I wanted to get like nice eyeshadow or whatever. And like, oh, yeah. I don't want to like fuck it up. Right. So. <laughs> they probably just give you, they probably just do like a quick, like, you're not going to shine too much thing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to come like prepared. Um, uh-huh. I ripped my dress. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I feel very blessed. I had this opportunity. Um, I did make it on some like blog of like some like, you know, debunking Fox news kind of angry woman. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was. So very, you were on very... for the whole hour, like while he still had like an hour talk show type thing. Yeah, yeah. It wow. was like I need to go. I need to go watch that. I should have watched that before we. <laughs> before I, we I don't even remember. I I I like. I don't even think I watched it myself. I was like, you know what? What it happened? I'm just gonna <laughs> keep it. Moving. They did. They like put you. They put. I'm assuming they put you up in a hotel and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and he seemed yeah. nice. Yeah, he was, he was very nice. The whole staff was very nice. It was a very pleasant experience, but it, it is like really scary. Um, and I have a lot more like compassion for people who like misspeak on air and stuff because like you just, it's like an out of body experience because it just feels so high stakes. So like you I'm don't. Sure. Yeah, like it's um, like I definitely misspoke um, a couple of times. Um, and it's like you just, you, it's, I also, it also kind of like made me um, realize like when this is so lame, but like with like true crime stuff, like when people aren't like grieving the right way and they're on these big shows, it's there's, there's actually like not really tells because like, it's so scary. Like once you're there that like, you don't know how you're going to react. I couldn't imagine. I mean, like to be perfectly honest, like I've, I've never been on TV in any way, shape or form. And like, I could not imagine understanding that millions of people are about to see something I'm going to, I'm going to do. Like I would, yeah, it would be a completely, I do think I would completely disassociate and like some other part of me would take over and sort of yeah. do, do the best it could. You know what I mean? Like that's the only way I could imagine. Well, it's a skill. It. That's why I was kind of curious if they like prepped you in any way, because I mean, talking on the radio or on TV is just so different. Like a podcast is different. It's pretty conversational and like, you can pause and say like and um and all this stuff but it's hard to like talk the way they talk on tv is actually very like unnatural in a way yeah i mean he he like we had some like weird things in common so he 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 made a conscious i think and i think he realized i was like i'm you know very shy and sort of introverted he did his best to make me comfortable and um, you know, it was very nice afterwards and, and it like, it's, it was, it was, I think like the best possible experience. That's cool. That's so awesome. do you have like his cell phone number? <laughs> no, I have the, the number of one of his ex producers, I guess. And some of, <laughs> some of the producers followed me on Twitter for a little bit, but I think I, I was a little bit, I have like moments of being too out of pocket. So I think some of them unfollowed, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I, I did really mourn the loss of his show. Honestly, like, it's crazy because when his show went off the air, I, like, completely stopped watching mainstream news because, like, I, like, when I loved watching him because he's 
just so entertaining. Like I, I'm zero. Uh, this is like a not commentary on his opinions. I just found his show so entertaining, and like now I just like don't even watch mainstream <laughs> news anymore. It's hard to trust too. Like it's like both boring and like you don't know if this is like real. I know you don't you don't you like, know that like, it's not real <laughs> you know that it's not yeah most of the time you know it's not real I mean like like my boyfriend will sometimes still have it on like when we're cooking or well it's making me sound like a little more domestic than I am when we're opening our takeout containers <laughs> and um I like you know like what were they talking about something really it's always absurd. Funny to, I mean, funny today. There was something really weird today that I remember seeing kind of in the background that I was like, what is even going on? I don't even remember. Oh, 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 the Uvalde. This is what they were talking about. Like the Uvalde investigation, which I thought like everyone had forgotten about, but I guess like something happened today and like the whole thing seemed like the whole report seemed to be like, this was a massive fuck up and like no <laughs> one did anything right. And I'm like, why did it take a year to produce a report (laughs) (laughs) saying that this was obviously a horrific, massive fuck up? Like, I don't under, like, it was just like the whole news story seemed like a non-story. Mistakes were made. Yeah. It happened a long time ago. And like, just today, like, like Eric, what's his name? The guy who was going to be Supreme court, Eric Garland. Is that right? Is that his Maybe. name? Yeah. I don't remember. Whatever. Whoever. Merrick. Merrick Garland. He's the attorney. Merrick Garland, general. who's the attorney general now, is the one who released the report. And he was like doing some interview about his release of the report and was like, you know, I'm just so happy <laughs> <laughs> we could finally we could finally give these families closure. And I'm like, what do you mean? After two years, you just like wrote a report saying that like everyone fucked everything up and it was like <laughs> horribly bad and their kids are all dead and that's they that's got to it. the bottom of it cute i mean that's what they do with everything the 9-11 commission and the you know all of this shit they always come up with some report that doesn't actually go into anything and it's just mistakes were made we need more funding you know next so that next time blah 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 you know i was just like is no one gonna go to jail like no like no, no one's gonna get in trouble for this like what anyway that's just... yeah. I mean, the cops really fumbled that one. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's actually I a good mean... question. I wonder who is like, are people going to jail, and if so, who? That's a good question. Well, that's what like. So then they had the families come out, and they like the families were like, we still. They were like, we still want people like. Thanks for the report, but we would still really love it if there were some like you know prosecutions or at the and like one woman was like or at the very least they lost their police jobs which i thought was like i thought was like a fair ask like i'm like bare minimum you don't get to be a police officer anymore yeah i don't know the body cam footage just showed them i mean you could see the officers just like standing outside the classroom waiting doing nothing I mean, it's insane. I know it's sad. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, I don't know what all went on there. I yeah. mean, I always not to get too Alex Jonesy. I mean, I think children really died, but like, I don't know, like the whole. It, you know, it's weird. Uh, I mean, the way these things are reported on, and yeah, um, I you know, and I, it doesn't help that I think with every sort of big event people jump the gun with that, that terrible, terrible turn of phrase to use. But they they kind of like put the cart before the horse, let's say that, with the reporting. And so it creates this extra layer of conspiracy because you have like misinformation that's being printed because people are just rushing to get the article out. And then, it, and then they have to take it down because it's wrong. 
And then it's like, it adds like extra confusion on something that's probably already going to, you know, they can't say certain things and it's, they, it, it, the, the media circus around it always makes it a lot worse. I actually had a friend who was living in Uvalde at the time that it literally happened. And she's, like a writer and like, you know, uh, interested, has a podcast, whatever, like sort of similar internet person. And she drove over there pretty quickly when she heard it was happening. And she said it was just like the, like the amount of like mobilization of like sort of like military looking vehicles and stuff was just like insane. Like, you know what I mean? She was like, it just looked so insane, the response, but she's like, I couldn't believe that like, they didn't save like any of these kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, she said it was just like, it was just, it looked so, it looked like a military operation literally, but like no, nothing, you know, I don't know. It's a it a just... little more uh, lighthearted, but did you see that thing in Miami at the mall? And they had like every the, like, cop aliens? Car. Yeah. I mean like, I <laughs> obviously not like aliens, but like what the hell was going on there? Why would, why do they need so many cop cars? I don't yeah, believe was it was a- teenagers, but I also don't, I mean, I don't think it was aliens either. <laughs> what was, I missed this. What, what I sent, I sent you some stuff about it, A. It was uh, like, there was like all this, like in Miami, like downtown Miami, there was like literally like 400 cop cars, all sirens, all lights going off. And then there were like reports, like some people were saying there were creatures, oh, like yeah. seven foot tall creatures. There's all these the reports of the creatures in different places. In different places, right. Creatures, yeah. Yeah. And then like the Miami official story was like these teens gotten like some sort of <laughs> like brawl or something. It was weird. I wonder what really happened. Because I just, I never buy the alien stuff. You know, that seems... Like its own no. kind of psyop, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't we 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 here at Thoughts and Prayers think the alien thing is a psyop. Yeah. We don't believe they always aliens keep, TM. Yeah. Like the they always they always alien. keep it similar simmering at a low you know what I mean? Like just like, in case they need to b- yeah. bust it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't have any speculations about what happened there. Anyway, the point is, is the little bits of the news I catch are always demoralizing. It's depressing. So that's the that's the whole story. Um, we're doing. We did about an hour twenty. A, do you have any? Do you do you have any questions for our esteemed guest? Um, I mean. I think we covered a lot of ground here. I think we covered a lot of ground too. Yeah. Um, thank you for coming on, Catherine. We really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah Thanks it for nice having me. Was a, yeah. They, I had a nice time. Thanks. Yeah. We'd, we'd love to have you back. And uh, we always forget to say this at the top, but you can subscribe <laughs> to our Substack <laughs> if you made it to this moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Bye.